Good afternoon and welcome back to the Word Encounter. Uh, we ended uh, Joshua yesterday and we're going to start in the book of Judges today. Um, Judges co covers a period of about 300, 325 years just prior to the uh, death of uh, Joshua and just prior to the uh, rise of the monarchy in Israel with, um, uh, with Saul. And so um, <clears throat> in Judges, as far as the historical context um, of it, 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 it basically is about cycles, cycles in the Lord. You know, the Israelites follow the Lord, then they fall off and do evil things. Then they follow the Lord, then they fall off and do evil things. Then they follow the Lord, then they fall off. And so when they have judges, they're doing well. When the judge dies, they fall off. And so it's like when the teacher's in the room, the kids behave. When the teacher leaves the room, they misbehave. And so this has been going on for thousands of years. We see that human nature really does not change. Uh, behavior does not change. Technology changes, but human nature doesn't. We see that this uh, is an example today. We do this exact same thing today, go through these cycles. We get out of line, we get slapped upside the head, then we get back in line. We get out of line, we experience the consequences, then we get back in line. And so <clears throat> that's pretty much you know, the story, if you will, of the book of Judges. But with that, let's get started. And so we see in, um, in chapter 1, one of the things that I didn't go over in detail in the previous book in Joshua was what uh, Caleb had done when he acquired his land. And so it says in verse 12, Caleb said, whoever attacks and captures uh, Karath, uh, I will give my daughter Asha to him as, as a wife. And so this is a territory within the land that he's been given. And he's telling his men, look, whoever, whoever conquers this territory, I'll give my daughter as a wife. Verse 13, so Othniel, uh, Caleb's youngest brother's son, so this is Caleb's nephew, captured it, and Caleb gave his daughter Asha to him as a wife. And we see this is important because later on, Othniel actually becomes Israel's first judge. But we'll get to that in a second. <clears throat> we drop down to verse 20, and we see uh, Judah gave Hebron, or Hebron to Caleb just as Moses had promised. Then Caleb drove out uh, the three sons of Anak who lived there. And so Caleb was awarded his territory, but again, there were some vestiges of people still spread and dotted throughout the land that the various tribes were responsible for going into their lands and getting rid of them. And that's exactly what Caleb did, as we see here. He drove out the three sons of Anak in order to capture his inheritance completely. But that's not what the other tribes did. We see in verse 21, at the same time, the Benjaminites did not drive out the Jebusites who were living in Jerusalem. We go on to verse 27. At that time, Manasseh failed to take possession of Beth Sheen and their surrounding villages. They, they failed to, to, to knock out um, uh, the Canaanites who were there. We see in verse 29, at that time, Ephraim failed to drive out the Canaanites who were living in Jazir, so the Canaanites lived among uh, them in Jazir. And so the, uh, Ephraim failed to do so, and the Canaanites lived among them. In verse 30, we see Zebulon failed to drive out the um, residents of Kitron, <clears throat> so the Canaanites lived among them, uh, and served as forced labor. So they were forced into labor, but they still lived, lived among them. We see in verse 31, Asher failed to drive, uh, Asher failed to drive out the residents of Alab um, or Rehob. And, and, and so those Canaanites lived with them. And then we see in verse 33, Naphtali, Naphtali did not drive out the residents of Beth uh, Shemesh or the residents of Beth Anath. 
And so they failed to do so. And so these, uh, uh, Caleb did in Judah, but we see the, Benjam the, Benjam uh, the Benjaminites, uh, the people of Manasseh, Ephraim, or Ephraim, Zebulon, Asher, and Naphtali, they did not drive out the peoples. And so they lived among these people, and we will see how these people become a thorn in their side as time goes on. And so we're going to go to chapter 2 and verse 8. We see, we, you know, uh, that, that, uh, that Joshua's about to die. We went over this in the previous book, but there's an additional detail here. Verse 8, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. They buried him in the territory of his inheritance in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. Verse 10, that whole generation was also gathered to their ancestors. And so the people of Joshua's generation eventually were gathered to their ancestors after Joshua died. Okay, statement of the obvious. But here's the thing. After them, another generation rose up who did not know the Lord or the works he had done for Israel. Now, why not? Whose fault is that? See, the people of Joshua's generation failed to pass on what had happened or what the Lord had done for them and with them, and therefore the younger generation had no clue. We have a responsibility with our children to let them know the things that the Lord has done for us and whatnot. It's on them whether or not uh, or how they proceed from that point. But if they don't know because we failed to tell them, then that's a problem. And so we see in verse 11, the Israelites did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. In other words, the, 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 sec, the subsequent generation, they did what was evil because they didn't know what the Lord had done because they weren't taught or trained. They followed other gods from surrounding peoples and bowed down to them. They angered the Lord. In verse 14, the Lord's anger burned against Israel and he handed them over to marauders who raided them. He sold them to the enemies around them, and they could no longer resist their enemies. And so basically, the Lord said, okay, you turn your back on me, I'm going to turn my back on you. And that's what happened in verse 15. Whenever the Israelites went out, <clears throat> the Lord was against them and brought disaster on them, just as he had promised and sworn to them, so they suffered greatly. And so when you turn your back on the Lord, and then the Lord turns his back on you, you suffer the consequences. We see this time and time and time again in modern day society. We have a society that wants to disdain the things of the Lord and turn its back on the things of the Lord. And we have all kinds of problems. And in my opinion, you can turn, you can point to it directly. You can point directly to the source of the problem. And that is we have turned our back on the Lord collectively as a people and we suffer the consequences. In verse 16, the, uh, the Lord raised up judges who saved them from the power of their marauders, but they did not listen to the judges. Instead, they prostituted themselves with other gods bowing, bowing down to them. So the Lord rose up judges in order to save them, in order to point out the direction to the people, the ways of the Lord and whatnot, but they didn't listen to them. Instead, they, they went, it seems like they went further in another direction. They prostituted themselves with other gods bowing down to them. The more they were told what to do in order to right their ship, it seems like the more they wanted to do what they shouldn't do. Does that sound familiar? So we go on to verse 18. Whenever the Lord raised up a judge for the Israelites, the Lord was with him and saved the people from the power of their enemies while the judge was still alive. 
Whenever the judge died, the Israelites would act even more corruptly than their fathers. And so the judges came along, righted the ship with the people, got them to live in a manner consistent with the ways of the Lord. He would die, and then they would go crazy. <laughs> you know, this, this, is, this, is, this is the history of man. In verse 21, I will no longer drive out before them any of the nations Joshua left when he died. This is the Lord talking and that he's no longer going to do this. In verse 22, I did this to test Israel to see whether or not they would keep the Lord's way by walking in it as their fathers did. And so he allowed them you know, the, the desires of their heart in order to show them and, and, and test them that when you succumb to the desires of your heart that are against my principles and precepts, then there are going to be consequences to pay. And so he did this as a test to show them. In chapter 3, verse 1, these are the nations the Lord left in order to test the Israels, in, in order to test all those in Israel who had ex experienced none of the wars in Canaan. And so he left these nations, these, these peoples there, uh, for the, the subsequent generation um, uh, that weren't in the war or any of the wars. And so in verse 2, we see uh, this was to teach future generations of Israelites how to fight in battle, especially those who had not fought before. And so he's doing this again as a training exercise to teach them on what to do and to test them. And so the, these peoples, the, the Philistines, uh, the Canaanites, the Sidonians, and the Hivites were the people that were mixed amongst the, the territories in Israel that were causing them to turn to other gods. In verse 4, the Lord left them, left those peoples, uh, to test Israel to determine if they would keep the Lord's command he had given their fathers through Moses. But, and, and so he left them to test them. But instead of them, you know, advancing in the test, in verse 5, but they settled among the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Pezzarites, the Hivites, and Jebusites. And so instead of doing what they needed to do and drive them out, they settled amongst them. The Israelites took their daughters and wives. The, the Israelites took their daughters as wives for themselves, gave their own daughters to their sons, and worshipped their gods. So not only did they settle with them, they also adopted their ways, exactly what they weren't supposed to do. So we move on to verse eight. The Lord's anger burned against Israel, and he sold them to King Cushan, and the Israelites served him eight years. The Israelites cried out to the Lord, so the Lord raised up Othniel. Remember Caleb's youngest brother's son as a deliverer uh, to save the Israelites. The spirit of the Lord came on him and he judged Israel. Othniel went out to battle and the Lord handed over King Cushan um, of Aram to him so that Othniel overpowered him. Then the land had peace for 40 years and Othniel, uh, son of Kenaz, died. And so he was in the tradition of Caleb, a warrior, you know. And he carried on Caleb's legacy beautifully uh, the, 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 for 40 years. Um, he, uh, the land had peace because of his actions, because he purposed to follow the Lord. We see in verse 12, another, um, another judge rises. His name is Ehud. And, um, and they had an enemy, King Eglon, and so, uh, of Moab. And he was uh, over Israel. Uh, because they had done what was evil in the Lord's sight, and so they, they were subject to him. After Eglon convinced the Amorites and the Malachites to join forces with him, he attacked and defeated Israel and took possession of the city of Palms. The Israelites served uh, King Eglon of Moab 18 years. So he went up, he took him over for 18 years. Uh, this happened. 
Then again, the Israelites cried out to the Lord. He raised up Ehud, the son of Jerah, a left-handed Benjamite, as a deliverer for them. So he, raised, he raises up Ehud. He says, go, you're going to be their deliverer uh, uh, from King Eglon. And so Ehud basically goes to King uh, Eglon and says, look, come here, bro. I have a message of God from you. And so then he takes a sword and he stabs him in the stomach. And it says, uh, even the handle went in, in verse 23, even the handle went in after the blade and Eglon's fat covered, uh, covered in over it so that Eglon uh, did not withdraw, so that Ehud, I'm sorry, did not withdraw the sword from his belly. And so Ehud stabs Eglon, his whole hand goes in his belly and he leaves the sword there and he dies. Then Ehud goes back to the Israelites, tells them what happens, says, go, let's conquer, let's go conquer Moab, let's take over the land, it's ready for us. And then it says in verse 30, Moab became subject to Israel that day, and the land had peace for 80 years. And so we go on to chapter 4, in verse 1, it says, the Israelites again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud had died. Ehud had died. So the Lord sold them to King Jabin of um, Canaan, who reigned over who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera. And so then we drop down to verse 4, Deborah, a prophetess, and the wife of uh, Lapdoth, I guess, was judging Israel at that time. So we have a woman who's now the judge of Israel, you know, and um, it goes down to verse 6, she summoned Barak, son of whatever, in Naphtali, and said to him, hasn't the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you, go deploy the troops on Mount Tabor and take them and take with you 10,000 men uh, from the Naphtalites and the Zebulites? In verse 7, then I will lure Sisera, commander of Jabin's army, uh, his chariots and his infantry at the wadi to fight against you, and I will hand them over to you. He says, haven't you been told to do this? Why haven't you done it? What's going on? And so Barak says, uh, in eight, uh, if you will go with me, I will go. But if you don't go, I won't go. She said, I'll gladly go with you, but you're essentially not going to get the honor for this. And so what happens is they go down, they fight Sisera, they defeat Sisera's army. Sisera runs away. He runs into a tent that he thought he was safe into the, into the house of, um, Jael, the wife of Heber, the Kenite. And so he write, he says, look, protect me. These guys are trying to come get me. She says, okay. He goes to sleep. She puts a blanket over his head and drives a peg through his head. And then uh, Barak comes along and he says, look, here's the man you're looking for. And so the Lord handed Sisera over um, uh, to a woman and, and Barak did not get the credit for it. And so then uh, that, that's kind of how things went then. And so then with that, we will get into chapter five tomorrow. Bye-bye.